Elizabeth, welcome to the All Coast Mainstream Podcast. It's exciting to have you on the podcast, our first pension fund CIO. <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be the first. Great to have you. And I think you'll provide some really interesting perspectives on how you're thinking about allocating to alts, the portfolio of the future. First of all, we'd love to hear a little bit about your background so that we can ground the guests in, in what you do. Oh, man, I have a really weird background, so I'll try to keep it brief. I'm the chief investment officer of YERS, $23 billion plan. Um, before that, I was a head of risk for Maryland State Retirement System, read a hedge fund book, but I've also had a career as an expert witness, econometrician, worked in M&A, I traded mortgages during the credit crisis, and I worked in alts most of my life. What has been the most impactful experience that's informed your ability to be an asset allocator? Experience. Well, one, my dad was uh, chairman of VRS. He's an economist, worked on Wall Street. I think just growing up around him, hearing his views definitely permeated and informed my own investment beliefs. Interesting. You talk about being an economist, looking at things globally. You've had background in the hedge fund world. You're now allocating across all different asset classes. It feels like the 60-40 portfolio is dead. And you have to allocate to different things. We're in a low rate environment. Alts are becoming a bigger part of people's portfolios. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, we have a pretty big exposure to alts. We break our book down into 65 and 35, but it's not bonds and equities. The 35 is other and it's alternatives. It's some other stuff in there as well. But I think that traditional breakdowns of asset classes are going away. If you think about, there's no way that asset classes in general aren't intertwined. And part of the reason the 60-40 is breaking down, I don't know if you want to call it breaking down or just mean reverting. It's only been negatively correlated for a very short period of time. And so I think that that's one reason why a lot of people's portfolios are changing. But I also think that you already saw positive correlations there on a daily and weekly basis earlier this year and last year. So I think that the people are going to start focusing more on liquidity and less about what something has been traditionally called in a textbook or at a mean variance optimization model from a consultant. So then how do you think about the alt space and as you look to allocate to different aspects of the alt space, whether it's private equity, venture, private credit, even things like crypto, how do you break that down and decide both from a liquidity and risk reward perspective, as well as this is where we can optimize for returns. We look at things from a liquidity basis, like how much additional illiquidity can we take into the system? And I think short answer is we can take a lot more than we do currently. And then we think about what we need in our portfolio, because if you just think only on an illiquidity basis, so someone uh, was debating this with me the other day, that it, you might just go into private equity, but you need to think about what holes you're filling in your portfolio and what asset classes you don't have exposure to. If we don't have exposure to digital and that comes along, that's something that we would want to take a look at. What do you think about the world of crypto as it pertains to an institutional allocator's portfolio? Like what aspects make sense to have in a portfolio? What needs to mature or institutionalize in the crypto world for an institutional allocator like yourself? 
to be comfortable allocating to the crypto space. Yeah, so you might see this as a cop-out, but it's not. No institutional investors are the same, but completely depends on who you are and what your targets are, what you want to do, who you're making money for, what your payout ratio is. I think anyone that says they don't have crypto in their portfolio is wrong. They either don't know or they're pretending they don't know. Everybody has it. It's just in various types of forms. Look, I don't know if it's right for everybody, but one thing that people should remember is that usually by the time large public institutions get to the table in in certain types of strategies, the main alpha component of that has already been eroded. You miss the early and the good days. So how do you think about balancing the aspect of missing out on alpha or alpha erosion and also being a more institutional asset allocator where things need to be of size and scale. The managers need to be ready to take on institutional capital. How do you balance those two things as an allocator? And do you think that will change over time as you see a world, whether it's crypto, whether it's venture, the infrastructure has been created to create more and more emerging managers or first-time funds? So how do you think about balancing those two things when we live in a world where it's probably never been a better time to be an, in, an investment manager, whether it's hedge fund side, venture side, crypto side? From a strategy perspective, I think it, it's actually pretty easy. It all just comes back to, is this routed in economic fundamental principles and does it make sense? And that can apply to everything. So I don't think it's all that complicated from a strategy perspective. I think we make it complicated because we put labels on it and identify new asset classes. And I think A large part of that comes from the sales side. In terms of new managers, is it easier? I think it's actually much harder to be an emerging manager. There's so many rules and regulations. It takes a lot more capital than it used to to just get into the black. And I I guess you have funds that support emerging managers and you have seeding funds, but often they take a great deal of the economics and it's very hard for emerging managers to get out of that cycle because they often lock up those long-term economics. And then you've got investors like us who are like, oh, I'm going in early. I want a deal. I think that's the wrong thing to do. You should go in early and then as they mature, get the deal. So... I think it's really interesting because one of the things that I think has been underinvested in is veteran-owned funds. And if you think about it, they often don't have um, these super long track records because uh, obviously they were serving in the military when everyone else went to investment banking. They're getting to the game potentially a little bit later than everybody else. I'm hoping it's become easier, but I don't know that that's true. Interesting. That, that's fascinating. I was thinking more from the perspective of platforms like AngelList or Republic or things like Carta that are enablers to enable investors to launch their first-time fund, build a track record, and then obviously a t- 5 or $10 million micro VC would be too small for the likes of your plan to invest into. But over time, they mature, get to scale, and then they could get to a point where they could end up working with with a plan like yours. But then even if you think about the crypto space, back in 2017, there were like 75 managers. Most of them were first-time managers because there had never really been crypto hedge funds. So as spaces like that mature, it's interesting to think about how bigger institutional investors allocate these spaces because that's what will also make these spaces institutionalized. I think on crypto, it also depends what you're talking about because the institutional money can't flow into a lot of it right now. If you want a diversified fund and literally something that has Bitcoin, there's really four very liquid securities essentially that you could trade there. Also, there needs to be some work done on the administrator side for our type of funds because it's going to be hard to actually accept crypto into your fund. 
It's constantly evolving. I hope it gets easier. The SEC just came down with a bunch of new proposed rules. I think it is going to get harder and harder for people to get their feet off the ground. Yep. Yeah, from that perspective, absolutely agree. I think you make a really interesting point that it's on the back office and administrative side. So many of these new asset classes need to mature to be able to take in institutional capital, which if there's a takeaway from that comment, it's that people should be building the solutions that enable institutions to come in and on-ramp them into this space, whether it's for liquid or illiquid strategies, so that there can be billions of dollars of capital that flows in. Yes. And there are some like that, but only two come to mind. So that's to your point. So as you think about how you position your plan for the future in a world that's different when it comes to alts that's different than it comes to geopolitical pressures, et cetera. How do you think about what the portfolio of the future looks like for you? First of all, we're getting into a place in our private equity book where it's going to start kicking off more capital than we'll be able to deploy, um, which is good. It's a good problem to have, right? So we're going to have to look at more and more places to take our capital while still maintaining some semblance of a liquidity profile. But like I said before, I think it's going to come down to liquidity. I've been concerned about inflation in the last few years. I think that's, that's something we're also going to have to take into account. It will come down from where its current levels are, but it's not going to be at zero. You may need to rethink your entire asset allocation because that is a major input into most asset allocation models. So one quick question on inflation, then I want to get to my final question that I always ask every guest. But how do you think that inflation will impact the private markets in your mind? And what are you doing to prepare for that? <laughs> I can't wait to see what private equity numbers are going to be. I'm really curious because they have touted for years that they've had operational efficiencies, that their McKinsey consultants are better than the company's McKinsey people or Chicago Booth grads. I went to Chicago, so I can say that. So I'm excited to see that and not just refinancing the debt and adding leverage. I think that's one way it'll affect it. But for pension funds, it changes the liability structure quite significantly too. I do think you're your allocation to those sorts of markets may change in ways that the market may not be anticipating for sure. Interesting. So last question, question I always ask every Alco's mainstream guest is what's the most interesting or your most favorite alternative investment? Oh man, I would say almost always it's specialty finance or some sort of, my favorite class in business school was tax. And if I could go back and redo everything, I'd be a contracts lawyer. I love finding those sorts of loopholes. But I also like, it's not really that interesting, but 17 Capital has this strategy, I hate to plug a fund, but has this strategy where they basically provide financing to GPs. And I, I think that's an interesting complement to the exposure you have in your PE book. Do you think that that will be an area of alts that more people look to go into, into GP stakes, providing capital to GPs in various ways or, or liquidity options to GPs? Yeah, the world's becoming smaller. You're getting so many M&A transactions. Uh, so I think there's multiple ways to play that, literally through M&A transactions yep. <laughs> or, or through some of those in conglomerates happening. I don't know. You can only have so many in your portfolio, but I think it's a good offset. I think that people are sometimes uncomfortable with being a fee receiver when we're the ones paying out fees, but you kind of got to what am I going to do about the other side of that? You can participate in one side. There's not a whole lot I can do on the other side. That's a really interesting theme that would love to unpack more at some point, because I think that's something liquidity in all sorts of assets for GPs, the crypto space, for holders of illiquid assets. Fascinating theme that the alt space is undergoing an evolution in right now, thanks to market structure evolution technology. So Elizabeth, thanks so much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for all the work you're doing for the state of Hawaii. And I hope to talk to you again soon. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Alt Goes Mainstream. I hope you enjoyed it. You can find more episodes of the podcast at any of your favorite podcast sites, and you can read more about alts at my substack, altgoesmainstream.substack.com. 
and follow me on Twitter at, at Michael Stigmore and at Gozalt. Thanks a lot and have a great day. Mm-hmm.